0: Hello, everyone. This is Rev. Brad, and today's From the Touchline podcast is part one of two, where I'm joined in a special phone interview with Rev. Billy Servany. Billy is chaplain for Nashville SC, one of the new MLS expansion clubs, and he's founder of Redbird. Amongst other things, he does pastoral care and counseling in Nashville after serving for many years at a local church. Well, Billy and I had so much fun that over the next two podcasts, we're taking a close look at the new Nashville SC anthem, I'll Never Give Up On You. We're going to look at the anthem from a chaplain's point of view and talk about the spiritual and biblical themes that are present, as well as some of the special meaningfulness that a Nashvilleian or a Nashville SC supporter might feel in hearing or singing this anthem in the stadium on a game day. So, without further delay, we'll get on with it right after this.
1: A little off foot thinking he's gonna go far post, not strong enough with his right hand.
2: Whips that one in. Far post almost made him in, and they have he has the hat-trick, the second in his career, the third of the night,
1: the hat-trick hero talked about you're not gonna be able to sustain that kind of pressure to the corner, goes towards the near post, and you're in the angle, and what a goal! What a goal!
3: Well, today's episode, I have a special friend and guest with me, Billy Cervini. Billy, or Red Cervini, is the volunteer chaplain for Nashville SC, one of this year's expansion Major League Soccer Clubs. And Billy and I met a few years ago after Soccer Chaplains United was conducting a search for chaplain candidates, and we were looking for a chaplain candidate to serve Nashville SC, which at the time was a new team in the United Soccer League Championship. That's our second division here in the U.S., and Billy ended up being the top candidate that we put forward to the club, and they received him well, and Billy's just become a good chaplain and a good friend of me as well. So, welcome to the
1: podcast, Billy. Hey, Brad. Thanks, man. It's good to be here.
3: So, Billy, I wanted to have you on from the touchline today because Nashville SC, as a new expansion club in Major League Soccer, is doing some exciting things things that as a football fan or even an athlete or coach or staff person, we don't always get to experience those moments that are, quote-unquote, from the start or they're from the beginning. And I remember the club that I served, the Colorado Rapids, they formed in 1996. I was away at college in Chicago when the, when the league formed and when the team entered in. So there were all these events and things that the club was doing in those early days that I wasn't around to experience or be part of. So, But for you, Billy, and for Nashville SC, you know, one of the things the club recently has done is they've gone off and they've written, recorded, and now they play this new anthem. And I yeah. wanted to take a look at that anthem with you today. So, yeah. um, So, Billy, you've got some background in history in the Nashville music scene. Set the stage for us a little bit, just in terms of your background and history, a bit working and living in Nashville. Tell us a little bit more about that
1: yeah man uh well as as everybody knows nashville it's music city so it is the hub for it used to be just a country town where i mean this is this 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 city was built on the shoulders of johnny cash and people like that but over the years nashville has just had this influx of people from all these different pockets of music you got rock you've got christian music you've got pop music you have country music as well and uh so it's this really vibrant music scene. I know that when you think of it, you think of, you know, like I said, Johnny Cash or Garth Brooks. It's not like that totally anymore, um, though that's certainly still around. So there's it's just a deep history and culture of that. Um, and I moved here back in 99. And when I came here, <laughs> honestly, I was a music industry cliche. I moved here in a pickup truck with like 50 bucks and a guitar coming to be a singer-songwriter. And I'd been in Atlanta and been playing there full-time for about three years. But I was spending so much time in Nashville, it just made sense to move here. So I came here and uh, was recording and touring out of here, And I guess I, for about 13 years, uh, playing full-time. And it's a great experience. It was one the Lord used to shape my art and the direction and build a direction of my life and way I was to serve, but also just build a ton of relationships uh, for me that that is uh, still proven to be valuable and people that I love and, and know to this day, but yeah, this is, uh, uh, it's Nashville's still my home. And, you know, I always joke that being in the music business, it's like, it's like being in the mafia when you think you're out, they always drag <laughs> you back in. Right. So, uh, I I still you know I still play and write and uh, still it's just something that's in you and
3: uh, so so uh, so Billy tell us what what genre like are you like the country music guy or are you the like what's your, what's your music style
1: like if you're to, to describe it for us that's a good question man I it's it's <laughs> it's I always say that if if you hate country music but you had one country record it'd be mine. Uh, it was just because it's. I, it's, I don't think uh, I have
3: that record, Billy. I don't. I don't have that record. You need to send me uh, something in the mail. Like I. I want to. I want to hear Billy Cervini. Like send, I need. I need that album.
1: <laughs> I'll send you the Billy Cervini starter pack. No, it's a. Uh, uh, yeah, I do a lot of acoustic-driven, a lot of harmonies, and it's pretty southern fried, and you know, it's Nashville. That's that's pretty Nashville. I, yeah, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, which I always. Is the three biggest exploits from jacksonville when, when, certainly when i grew up there were leonard Skinner, molly hatchett and 38 special so I, I i never had a chance i came out of the southern <laughs> rock world and anyway but uh yeah man So the nashville it's just a it's a beautiful town that it's just a convergence of a lot of different voices and uh it's a deeply spiritual town uh it's a very uh uh a spiritually articulate, emotionally articulate city, uh, uh, generally speaking, and uh, I think that the, that is directly a product of just so many artistic voices coming into to, to ha- coming to bear on the culture. I think, and so, and is yeah. that
3: is that articulation is that primarily through music? Would you say, or does that flesh yeah. out? You know, with the influx of people, because Nashville's booming right now. Is that
1: are you seeing that in other ways as well, besides just music? uh I think you it's just culturally yes I would say so like uh it's a it's an odd thing but there's a huge food culture here and mm. uh certainly in the pre-pandemic world there was just an explosion of these little boutique restaurants that all had their own sort of ex you know expression of what they did and uh you know there's a lot of cities that do that but in Nashville it 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 just really bore the fingerprints of different personalities and different people trying to kind of articulate their worldview or their, their you know, kind of where they're coming from. And uh, there's, the way I always say is when you go to those places, it's, you're not just going to a good restaurant. There's always seems to be a story around it. Mm. There's always yeah. a story around these places that you step in and, you know, uh, and you're like, okay. And, and you start talking to the people and you, you, you feel it. And all these places are in these in these old buildings that are, you know, old burlap sack factories that were built in you know, nineteen seventeen or whatever. And it's just it's just a cool little cool little place to be if 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 you like that sort of thing.
3: Yeah, no, uh you saying that reminds me, I think one of my first experiences and encounters in Nashville when I was coming out scouting for a chaplain was I think it was a is it is it Fido? Is, is yeah. that the name of the place,
1: yeah. like near? Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah.
3: You like you bring if, your dog in here. Like I was like, wow, this is different than anything. And you know, well, the reason know. it
1: the reason it's called Fido is it it used to be an old pet store.
3: Yeah, and it yeah.
1: was uh and p- people would go in and buy you know dog food and leashes and all that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, and
1: yeah, then the area so converted, story. and then they go yeah exactly. And so you go in, and people I think one of the you know there's a story around it. I think people here. Are really intent on dragging the history forward. And, uh, I think that's a beautiful thing because, Mm. you know, how we, how we, who we understand ourselves to be, we stand on the shoulders of what we come out of and, uh, what we're heading towards. And that, anyway, I just think that's a, Nashville seems to really bear the fingerprints of that way of thinking all over the place.
3: Yeah, I, I like that, uh, that phraseology is dragging the history forward. I think that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's something I want to reflect more on. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking we need to get you and, and uh, Ben and Troy, the Portland chaplains, uh, on because I know Portland kind of puts themselves out as a city that has a, a bit of a foodie culture. And I think we need to have a little bit of a – a foodie war here with, soccer uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we, we, we could get some talking about some stuff. I'm sure. So, but Billy, a bit of an aside here. I, I have this question in my mind. Um, yeah. would you, or are you considered to be a Nashvillian? I mean, or, or, or I guess a better question is like, what are the requirements to be called Nashvillian? You know, here in Colorado, we, we have this honorary title that if you're a native, right, you say, I'm native, right? And it, it's yeah. a special thing. Like, you have to have been born here in Colorado to be a Colorado native, and that's, like, a special title for people. So is that similar in Nashville, being Nashvilleian, or or is Nashvilleian a, a different uh, sense of things? Uh,
1: uh, you yeah, know, that's a good question. I think it depends who you talk to, really. Uh, the interesting thing about it is Nashville is inherently a uh, – a city that is was built by transients meaning guys that came in like the people that are the iconic Nashville people none of them are from here, you know, like Mm -hmm. Hank Williams or Johnny Cash or Dolly Parton, you know, they all come in to, to do the thing they do. And, uh, but yes, there's definitely a, uh, uh, a subculture people that are from here. Now, I, I was born in Tennessee, uh, uh, in Jackson, but, you know, I, I and I've lived in Nashville longer than I've lived anywhere in my life, even mm-hmm. the place where I consider, you know, home back in Florida, but I was born here. All my kids were born here. My wife was born here. So it's hard to, I mean, Tennessee is, you know, my mom's family's from here. So I am, uh, uh, I guess, as close as you can get <laughs> without being
3: yeah. being
1: born yeah. here. But uh, okay. it's, uh, but I'll tell you this, it's changed because, you know, pre, pre-pandemic, there was two hundred people moving here a day or some some crazy number like that. And that's been happening for years now. And so uh it's very unusual to find someone that well, you know, not that unusual, but it's it's becoming less so to find someone who's born and raised. And I always refer to them as the unicorns. You know, they're the ones okay. that are like, Oh, you're you're one of the few that, that, you know, was born in that hospital and has been here ever since. So <laughs> the unicorn. I like that. I like that. Yeah.
3: Well, Billy, let's let's jump into looking at the anthem. Uh, what we're going to do here, we're going to play the anthem in its entirety to give folks a feel, uh, in case you've not heard the the Nassau Sea Anthem. And then we're going to come back and take a little bit of a line by line or a course course look at the words and the lyrics with Billy. And Billy, what I'd love for you to do is comment on it, and you know, give us some background and understanding. You know, maybe there's a particular insight. You know, someone who is at the stadium listening to this, they're they're Nashvilleian or they're part of that Nashville SC football culture now. they are here's what they're doing when they hear these words, they're glomming onto this. and and maybe you're gonna help give us a little bit of insight into the the sense that Nashville and Tennessee drags the history forward. Uh, so take a minute, give a listen to the to the words, to the lyrics here. Um, and then we'll be back right after this.
2: Hey, brother, hey, sister, I'll never give up on you. Hey, missus, hey, mister, I'll see this all the way through. Sun and the moon I'll never give up On you Down when you're lonely I'll pull you up Life leaves you heavy When the going gets tough I'll be your shoulder Together we'll run Up from the bottom as uh-huh.
3: let's start off the band Judah and the lion. Do you, do you know these guys? What can you tell us about the band, their connection into Nashville FC, the national music scene? I mean, are these guys, are they known? Are they good? Are they any good? Or, or what do you know?
1: Uh, I, I don't know them personally. Uh, I know they're a great band. I know they've been around for a lot of years. And I think, uh, from my understanding, Judah and the lion, they are, they all went to Belmont, which is a, uh, Belmont's a university here in the middle of Nashville, which is, it does a lot of things, but it's primarily a music... Uh, I don't say primarily, but it has a very power, strong music school here where people come that are great players that want to learn about the music business, want to learn production and engineering. And a lot of folks that are in the music business around Nashville are products of Belmont University. And Judah and line from my understanding, was a band that formed there. They came out of belmont and i think they were uh, initially actually a worship band and uh or they and they did a lot of christian music and that was their primary market and like a lot of folks in that world as they progressed and grew they you know their writing changes and you know uh they begin to appeal to a broader audience and i i believe they've gone beyond the walls of that genre and have uh had quite a following uh their connection, to, you know, again, that Nashville is a, is a, it's such a relational city. And so it's one of these places that you, like I said, uh, you know, so many folks came out of Belmont, you know, and there's people I know that have been recording professionally for years, and they record with the guys they went to college with. And, and I think so the point is is that – You know, everybody you know, you just form this kind of network of relationships that that shapes your career and how things evolve. So uh, how they tied into the club directly, I don't know specifically, but I know that uh, they are a a Nashville crew that uh, they have marinated in the groundwater here a long time. So if there's anybody that's going to nail the ethos of this city, it's them. Okay.
3: And they... uh, um they, they they they're kind of listed as an alternative band i guess uh yeah. so what what does alternative mean like just on the nashville scene what is is alternative like you said <laughs> it goes beyond a couple different categories right but
1: yeah i think the, the one of the alternative i mean it depends again that's one of those things those, those words it depends who you're talking to uh but I, generally speaking when you say a band is alternative, like alternative country, or alternative rock or whatever, it means they don't fit in that, that between the bookends of what sort of a traditional radio format would be for a band. So if you're an alternative, uh, you know, country band or you're an alternative rock band, it means that you probably get in some, you've got a you've got a grassroots following. It means that you've, Spent years on the road trying to build this group of people, that, that this groundswell of support and 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 fans, and then you might get some college radio, just things that are off the grid a little bit. And uh, and someone like you in the line, they're gra- they're following, you know, become big enough where all of a sudden you know you can't ignore it. But you, when you when you categorize it, it's okay. What do you what do you call these people? Well, they're all alternative rock, or they're alternative, you know. Alternative country or their alter, you know this this kind of thing. So it's a uh, alternative just means that there's no easy place to put them in, no easy place to categorize in it. Okay,
3: well let's jump into kind of like chaplains,
1: <laughs> kind of like yeah. chaplains.
3: Yeah, they don't fit anywhere, so let's let's put them over here. We're
1: we're, um, we're all pastor all pastors.
3: Yeah, oh, uh, alternative pastors. I like that. We'll mm-hmm. we'll uh, we'll have to bring that up as a subtitle for us.
1: Mm-hmm. For a little
3: bit. Um. Well, let's jump into the song itself. Now, to be clear, as we do this, I, I'm going to want to draw out some biblical parallels, but this isn't a Christian song. And it, and even though Jude and the Lion may have had like a Christian origin or beginning or what do they call it, origin story, um, that's not necessarily the aim that they're they're doing. Uh, this is really an anthem written for a soccer team, and it's a way to galvanize fans. Um, I think I read a little bit that you know they have kind of uh, had adopted or adapted or taken on the spirit of Liverpool FC, which, you know, they've got their famous song um, that, that they sing. And before, all everybody in the stadium sings it uh, before each match, you know, and so kind of in that fashion of those kinds of clubs. So not to over-spiritualize, but I do want to highlight, at least for me, Billy, the echoes that I see uh, within the Christian faith story. So, so let's go through it. Let's let's start. Um, we start out. Hey brother, hey sister, I'll never give up on you. Hey Mrs. Hey Mister, I'll see this all the way through. Um, right off the bat, I feel connection. I remember hearing this the first time and thinking, Wow, man, I feel like people have my back. I feel like people are with me. Like I'm, like there's this uh, sort of triumphant, and, and I used the word earlier, galvanizing sort of sense. To how this this song starts out, and so like Billy, like tell us more like what what, what do you feel when you when you're hearing this like what does this do for a Nashville
1: yeah i mean I, I would agree with you I think the the whole idea of uh i mean just the premise uh there's two 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 premises to what you're saying here, like one just the idea that we that we would want an anthem. And that a, 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 that a team would want an anthem. I think it, it just points to some deeper reality of the human heart. And it's mm. this. It's that we all want to be a part uh, of a story that's bigger than us. That mm. a, a story in which uh, it's it's there's a majesty to it. There's an epicness to it. Yeah. Uh, uh, we can't escape it. And we all but no we don't just want to be a part of a story we want to we, we need to matter in that story right it's like uh it's like the old old star trek uh, you know if you're old enough to remember the old star treks when you would see yeah. a landing crew go down you would see like all the key characters going down on the on the landing party, but there's one guy in the red shirt and you knew the guy in the red shirt was going to be killed on the, <laughs> he was going to eat it at some point because he did, he was inconsequential. Like no one wants to be the red shirt, right? Everyone wants to be a part of, you need you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, but you also want to matter in the, in the part of that story. And I think this kind of, I so said, I think that the, the premise of even the fact that they have that that anybody in Nashville has an anthem, it just cuts with a grain of this fundamental desire the human heart where it's like I want to be a part of something that's bigger than me, a part of a story that's bigger than me and then but even in the first line it says you know hey brother hey sister it's it's calling yourself a brother or sister its saying hey you are central to the story you matter yeah. we are we are we are tied together and I would say uh, that this and again whether they meant it or not or you know whether it was intentional or not, I would say this is true of all stories we tell or certainly any good story. Is that it cuts with the the gospel narrative, right? The idea that that I mean, the whole gospel story is there is a way things are supposed to be. Something got broken. This redeemer comes in and is leading us and guiding us forward to this grand resolution, and we are in it together, and we are locking arms, mm-hmm. and we are heading towards this grand crescendo. And I, and there's not a story or a song or a that that. You can find that doesn't point to that narrative either, being on the journey of that narrative or finding frustration in that narrative. That is the gospel story that none of us can escape. And, yeah, and uh,
3: and, and, I, and you're getting that that family sense. I mean that the brother sister piece for me, I, I think it's powerful it. because we we desire, we want to feel that we we have such a sense of longing for oh, yeah. And a community that's meaningful and purposeful. And, you know, so if you're standing in a stadium with 40,000 other people singing, singing a song, you want to belong. And it, it, how much more pronounced during a time like this, uh, as we go through this global pandemic, of, of having a sense of belonging, have a sense of, of family. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and you get the sense of team, a sense of unity, I'm reminded a little bit of what Paul writes in Galatians 3, 26 to 28. He says, you're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And and that sense of oneness, that togetherness, that we're all in in this together through Jesus, I mean, that that's a powerful as a powerful sense and feeling, and I, I know that the times I've been in, uh, either in a church setting or a stadium setting, you're all there, almost like a gathered a gathered body, and usually you're not thinking about how the other person got there. You just look across to them, and as you experience something together, you experience it in this new fashion, this new way, and so, you know, for some. And sometimes, like I can even say as a chaplain, some of my favorite experiences were experiencing some of the highs of winning the championship, and and going through the trial and the ordeal and the challenges of, of even a losing season. Like you feel the sense of togetherness as you
1: as you stick and hold together. There's a sense of a family as we go through that. Well, I, I agree. I mean, I, I I've had this conversation with a number of players, right, and Talking to them is just to sit with them and talk. Just kind of they begin to distill down their life and and asking you know deeper and, and harder questions about who they are and what they're doing and you know talking to them about you know what's the larger story that's in play here and one of them is is you know you see these people in the stands that come and they're celebrating they're wearing your jersey like they have your name on their back like why are they doing that. And the reason they do that and the reason we all do that is that we want to feel they're doing, cause they want to feel like they're a part of it. That This is the, this is the thing that, that, that sense of belonging and that, uh, this is my team. These are my people. These is, this is my, you know, this is my anthem. This is my, my town. This is my, and that brother and sister aspect, uh, that thing it's I mean, you, the word you said it's long we can't escape it it's hard it's hammered into our souls and we 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 were we want that because we were made for that and that's where we're headed and uh and we experience it we experience tastes of it now through things like you know standing in this you know they're going to church and 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 small groups and praying together but also standing in the stands and wrapping your arm around someone that you don't know when somebody you know hits some banger from you know from you know thirty yards out or whatever. and it's just this beautiful sense that that of this finger pointing to God, as c s. Lewis would say that uh, that we we were made for this connection. and I think it reflects you know christ Christ's longing for us and what he created us for. you know, I always say like, if you, if, you look at, if you look at what goes on in your heart and if you look at the longings of your heart and what you can escape in those, uh, it tells you something about the one who made your heart and what he's about and what he's valued. In the same way you would study the law and scripture to understand what the character of God is and what he's about, what he values, we can do this. We can study the law of our heart and we can look at that and say, yeah, I see the longings of my heart and the longing of my heart is that way because that's the longing of God's heart for me. And, right. uh, and when we weigh that against Scripture, we can see some beautiful things. And I think you draw out a great point that we were created to be brothers and sisters, right, that will never give up on each other. And yeah. uh, that's beautiful. Well, and
3: that's that's one of the things that appeals to me in the message is this line, I'll never give up on you. And it's it's throughout the song, it's the title of the anthem. And, and I think that that, that message, I'll never give up on you, is a theme we find in so many places in Scripture. It's the character and nature of God. We see God not giving up on humanity in the aftermath of the fall in the garden. We see God mm-hmm. not giving up on His stubborn people, the nation of Israel. We see God as as the patient father mm-hmm. waiting for the prodigal son to return home. And and so mm-hmm. we understand He is patient with us. He's He's not willing to give up on us. And, and I think, yeah. you know, one of my favorite... Um, passages that gives imagery to this is uh, Isaiah, the Hebrew prophet writes, he goes, can a mother forget the infant at her breast? Can can she walk away from the baby she bore? But even if mothers forget, I'd never forget you, never. Look, I've written your names on the back of my hands. And so, you know, that's from the message. And, and I think it's powerful because it acknowledges that like we fail, right? We have our human limitations. And I mean, to be fair, right, a, a Nashville SC fan is, isn't, isn't going to be the end-all be-all for, for all of us together, but there is a sense of not giving up on, on someone, not giving up on people. Right. And, and that's, that's a message of hope, a message we need today.
1: Oh man. I mean, I think it's, it's the, it's the eternal message that, that we saw, you know, crystallized when Adam hid in the bush, the second that, that sin entered the world. It's this, Sense of, of of who we are was it, as he hid there. It, it wasn't a hiding because he wanted to be alone. He was scared of being rejected if he was seen for what he is. And that message that you just said about Isaiah, like I'll never give up on you. That is, if I could stretch the Adam narrative forward, that's God calling us from the bush. He yeah. said, "Look, I I am I, with you. Come on, I, I see this. And when I call to you in the bush, I'm I'm not I'm not calling you, asking you where you are because." I don't know where you are. I'm, I'm calling. I know where you are. I'm calling you so you'll know where you are. So you will trust me and you can see it. You can see the realities of your heart and you'll come out and you'll step into this reality that I will never give up on you. I guess that's a very fundamental and I think powerful thing uh, that we need to see about ourselves. And uh, the, the, the good news of the gospel speaks to the center of that, that longing.
3: And, and that's a deep longing, I think, especially for people in football, because it, so many of the athletes I've I've known, they've they've uh, they, they tell me stories. They go, "Yeah, coach gave up on me," or or maybe yeah. there was a parental figure who gave up on them at some point in their life or their career. Um, sure, just just not even professionally, just even personally. And then and then you talk to some of the coaches, and they go. Yeah, the the president gave up, or the chairman, the club chairman gave up on me, or or the organization gave up on me. And so there's there's a lot of sense of these this this failed relationship, these failed hopes, these failed dreams. And so I think today, like you said, the longing is there. We are searching for the one yeah. who will not give up on us. And and I, yeah. I, I used to tell some of the athletes I was working with uh, when I was working back in hospice that I loved going home and and seeing my kids uh, because they didn't care like how bad my day had been. Um, They, they loved me. They accepted me. They welcomed me and, and, and you get that sense of um, you're loved and cared for and, and, and not, you're not given up on, even though you might've had a tough day at work, maybe you failed, maybe you missed the, the game-winning save or the game-winning goal on either side of it, or you miss the playoffs yep. or you miss the, the cutoff, um, plenty in this world are going to give up on you. But yep. truthfully, God won't.
0: Amen. Amen, bro. God won't. Well, I'm going to push pause right there. Billy and I were having such a great time that time got away from us a little bit, but we're going to come back next week with the second half of the interview and the rest of the song remember, if you have a question about something that you hear on From the Touchline, or if you're someone in football who needs spiritual support or encouragement, please reach out to us at Soccer Chaplains United. You can send us an email at podcast at soccerchaplainsunited.org, and we'd love to find a way to serve you and your loved ones, no matter what level of the beautiful game you're at, and no matter how this global pandemic's affecting you. Well, that's all for now. This is Rev Brad coming to you from the Touchline, and I'm going to let Judah and the Lion take us out for today.
2: Sister, I'll never give up on you. Hey, Mrs., hey, Mister, I'll see this all the way. i see this all the way through No matter how far for the gold and the blue
0: are.